There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Now entering Nerdist.com. No, this is a good room with yeah. uh, very little distraction. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. Nice. I think, that, echoey. I right. think that sounded pretty good. Um, yeah, and the other th- good thing is that the windows are covered, so we're not getting that glass. Uh, sometimes I'll record I'll record in the conference rooms, and then I get comments. Are you in a warehouse? Nice. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Please continue enjoying your free entertainment. <laughs> Uh, I'm he- I'm here with Mike Shinoda of uh, of Lincoln Park and also just Mike Shinoda, who is of Mike Shinoda of Mike Shinoda of Mike Shinoda fame. Uh, <laughs> Mike, I- I've brought you uh, to share with me some. If you can hear this, that's a box of Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies. Those are delicious. Those are those are one of my favorite cookies. They really are the best. I unfortunately did not have time to freeze these, which is really what you would prefer with a th- in a Thin Mint. Yeah, but. Oh, that's these are these just ah, oh, they just smell like they smell amazing. Mm-hmm. Two months ago, uh, a I guess a den mother came to my door with like five little girls, and I was like, "Yes!" I mean, it's the only time you can really act excited around g- little Girl Scouts without being uh, arrested. So, I just ordered shitloads of boxes of them, and then, of course, I I travel so much, I'm out of town. I come home, and my girlfriend was like. Did you order like ten boxes of Girl Scout cookies? Because I just paid for them. So, uh, so yes. It's... I I don't know a lot about. Um, I, I've done a lot of interviews, but I don't know about a lot about the um, like etiquette of doing interviews. But I do know that eating during an interview is it's like, the best thing, right? Is, yeah, definitely. Like one of the top three things that you do mm-hmm. when you sit down for an interview, you start eating, chewing gum, things like that. Well, the be- because the good part about it is you want to make sure that when you're talking to someone that your mouth is open and they can see how much food is, is in your gaping maw. <laughs> and uh, and so I find like that's that's how I that's how I like to roll on the Nurse Podcast. By the way, uh, normally I'm joined by Jonah Ray and Matt Myra. They Poor Matt was stuck in Boston because of weather issues, mm. and Jonah got sent out of town to shoot a web soup sketch that I think involves some sort of Rube Goldberg, someone getting hit in the nuts type of, of a mechanism. Um, so it's, it's so if you're cool, it's just rolling. It's like it's a to... better version of the OK Go video, in other words. <laughs> except at the end, instead of instead of getting hit with paint, you get God. Hit in how nuts. awesome would that be? Like, yeah, if you wanted to up the ante on the on the OK Go video. One of them would die, or you know what I mean. There would like, have to be some sort of something. It's just, it's just paintballs. It would have to be attacked by tigers or something yes! at the end. Yes, I think that I would like to see that meme develop. The okay, <laughs> the okay, go meme. Those uh, poor guys. I love that video, and I know I saw it on your blog too, and I put it on mine. I and love it. My favorite thing about the video is watching the intensity on their faces. Just know, like you know, they've done this. Like I think it took them fifty-two tries. Yeah, you know they've done it like thirty times or whatever, fifty yeah. times, and they. It's just the please, please, yeah. everything work. We've already broken one piano. Please don't let the second <laughs> fucking piano. We don't have fifty pianos. <laughs> I mean, just as 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 an artist, as as a. Uh, as uh, being in Lincoln Park, do you how, how do you look at that? Do you look at that video and go, "Fuck, I wish we had made that," or "Holy shit, uh, we would never want to make a oh, video well, like that." Yeah, yeah, both. I mean, there's there, one one part of me says, 
Well, first of all, I have to say on the on the positive side, these the guys were. Um, I actually sent that video to some of our team because I always tell them I have a design background, mm-hmm. graphic design background, and illustration background, and the uh, one thing that I always try to make happen and it never seems to happen I just I, I say it and it, the, the words just kind of evaporate into thin air and nobody ever hears me is that we should try and do more with less mm-hmm. we should try and make the biggest impact and the greatest design with as little um, like uh, money for one thing as possible right and their first video from this one of the first videos I saw from this album the, the what the fuck video mm-hmm. the WTF video yep. it was I mean they literally just I think they basically found like a a, a bug in the in the, the the recording software they were using or something. It was like some some bug that they were able to manipulate, and they just used that and they choreographed a great video. It's kind of the same thing as the the um, the treadmill video. Mm-hmm. You use a great idea, and then it doesn't cost a lot to get it done. You just do it because you've got a good idea. Right. So I sent that to everybody, and I said, you know, the WTF video, and then I sent them the other one and said, okay, or if you've got a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of money, then you could do this. Right. So I do love that video. Um, it did occur to me, though, that it would be the, the – it's the absolute opposite of what I want to do with a video as far as, like, spending your time doing something. Because 60 takes of that oh would God. be maddening. Right? Hey, by the way, wouldn't it have been awesome to have been I, – I always think about, like – Boy, if I could if I could have been anywhere in history, I feel like being in a rock band in like the seventies or like a glam rock band in the eighties, where it was just like they back a truck of money up to your house and then a secondary truck full of vaginas, and then that's it. That's your life, basically. You know, like now everyone is so like so efficiency conscious. Yeah. And just but but to imagine living in a time where it was like fuck two million bucks, who gives a shit? You know, let's do it. What? No condoms? Whatever. I don't even know that word. Like, just that whole concept. I mean, do you ever wish that? Do you ever wish that Lincoln Park had been like a '70s oh my band God. where it could have been dirty and greasy? A, what a like we it wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Like that's the so, uh, we probably wouldn't have ended up being interested in being a, a a band that anybody knows because we would have looked at all that and just been like, that's a nightmare. Like I don't want to be out on tour with that. That would like. I yeah. would go crazy. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm the most boring. You know, I, I'll do shows on the road. and then Oh, I'm, you just called me boring. That's fucked up, dude. No, me. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, you two. You two. We're, we're nerds, though. We're nerds. Like, we can tell, okay, we'll do the boring test. Tell me if this, tell me if this sounds about your speed. Wait, we're, first of all, just to, just, I mean, look, look how we started out. We started out with Girl Scout Thin Mints, so. Thin Mints, Thin okay. Mint cookies, and we're in a conference room. Yeah, yeah. We're in a conference room. Uh, okay, so you're saying. I was saying, you know, for me. You know my my little pre-show my little pre-show um, um, ritual is light snack maybe some almonds a little chai tea <laughs> do a show drink a bunch of water like to stay hydrated and get all responsible up in this motherfucker <laughs> and then uh, then I'll have some chamomile or mint tea at, right after the show after it, I meet people and then I go to bed. That is so funny that you try and put that forward as your like persona because I mean you know that's the reason obviously you don't do these these podcasts with video is that I know that you've got LSD in your headband right now, but you know, these people have no idea. Um, so that's cool though. That's really cool that you kind of play up the, the nerd persona. Uh, I don't know if I agree with you, but I would like to ask the flaming giraffe sitting next to you if he <laughs> agrees with you. And also, have you ever considered that we're just falling into a vortex of time? <laughs> anyway, I did, by the way, bring you a um, gift as well. I brought Actually, I brought two. Because one's for you, and then you can give away the other one. I would love to. I've got two books. Um, uh, they're the same, so they're not they're they're not two different books. So one's they're, not a little bit better than the other. Because no, I'll keep the one that's a little bit better. If you like, I did sign both of them. So oh my god, that's if awesome! Like, if you like one of if you like one of the signatures better than the other one, um, but yeah, I did. Um, like I said, I, I do have a design and illustration background. I did an art show called Glorious Excess, and this is the book that kind of went with the show so oh, one yeah. of these is for you that and is the, awesome and you can do whatever you want thank with you the so much give them yeah i saw who... I, I saw the link to um i saw the link to a bunch of the the, the slides from the show and it it looks amazing and this is something that thank i you. this is really something that i want to get into a little more as well is do you feel like in today's artistic climate that it's really and i know that's a kind of a stupid way to say that but do you feel like it's important to do as many things as possible because i feel like we came from a generation where our parents and maybe our grandparents were like 
focus on one thing and just do one thing. And now we're getting into and this that one area. thing is the family business. The family business, whatever it is. And my, and my, what, what did your dad do? Your dad did something cool. No, my dad, I, I couldn't really get into the family business because uh, my dad was essentially like a rocket scientist. So I, oh, it would awesome. be a, yeah, it'd be tough for me to follow in, in that, well, to go in that direction. My dad was also involved in, in, in a field that was related to physics. He was a professional bowler. And so <laughs> there's a lot of exchange of momentum and. <laughs> <laughs> rotational axes and things of that nature. Did he try and get you into bowling? He never tried, but but here's the thing. I mean, I grew up in a bowling... I, mean, I grew up in bowling shoes, you know? Oh, like, there's awesome. pictures of me when I'm three bowling. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and then he retired from the Pro Bowlers Tour and then opened a bowling center. So the first 13 years of my life, I was in a bowling center every... My parents met because my mother's father owned a couple bowling centers. Like, wow. my whole fucking family tapestry was bowling. <laughs> A little bit easier to get into probably than rocket science, which you have to go to school <laughs> No, my dad, my dad was – that's the simple way of describing what my dad did. He had an engineering background. Um, he worked mostly in management. He wasn't like the scientist who was like developing new technology that they put in the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. But he did work on, in the space program. He did work in um, aerospace and uh, uh, he did stuff that, that ended up – um, I guess some of their projects like the, were, were some kind of tracking or computer system for the uh, Apache helicopter. And oh, my F- God. F-15. That's awesome. So, like, as a kid, like, when I was little, the movie Top Gun came out. Yeah. You know, and, and um, that, I mean, for any kid that age, boys that age, that was, like, the coolest movie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, am I... That's, that's pretty accurate. Like, we all went... Especially that hot shirtless volleyball scene. <laughs> that was really... That's when you really get to see how the Navy works. Dude, and on, but on that note, I think it was, per, it was, it was just, just perfectly targeted our, our demographic because it had just enough of a sex scene that you were like, oh, sweet. Yeah. You're totally getting it on. Yeah. Um, but, the, but after that movie came out, you know, I know all of my friends were way into like fighter jets and stuff like that and my dad was bringing home models of the stuff that they worked on like i couldn't be cooler in my nerdy little friend group because i had <laughs> calendars of f-15s and like sr-71s and apache sr-71 blackbird you know what i'm saying like it was I, it was super cool for a minute that my dad was did what he did but except the only problem was that he couldn't talk about what he did you know that sucks. It's so cool, though. It's but it's tough, but it was cool. Now, when you were watching Airwolf, did he walk by and go, "Bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, this is bullshit"? <laughs> no, you wouldn't even let me watch it. He wouldn't even let you watch it. Yeah, you know, watching that crap. And similarly, when my dad, when people ask my dad if he liked Kingpin, he's like, "It was a cute movie, but uh, it's not really how it was." I Kingpin. I'm like, "Yeah, I know that's not really how it does." The Amish don't fucking bowl either. <laughs> There's a lot. Of, that's where you're going to suspend your disbelief, Dad. Um, but uh, but. Yeah, do you feel like it's imp- – because I, I feel like, you know, this is such a – it's such a content-driven world yeah. that you really you really need to be able to – like you, you told me you're going to be in marketing meetings all day. Yes, and that's, that's true. That, and, and it's essential now and I feel like I didn't go to school to study marketing, you know. I, right. Actually, yeah. I studied philosophy, which is I, – oh, I nice. didn't. So did our, our bass player. Oh, really? Yeah. So that of course we're applying those degrees in weird, you know, artistic fields. Yeah, well, um, for him, I think, I mean, it, it's a well. I don't want to get too far off the off the tracks here, but the um, as far as like being having diverse interests and and being focused and not you know swimming in bucket loads of cocaine, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, can you swim in bucket? Uh, yeah, I think bu- so. You can swim in a bucket loads. load of cocaine if yeah. you mix it with enough vodka. You can. Swim What's it. great is the more you swim, the faster you swim because <laughs> it's getting. Into so your, yeah. I would, yeah, I wouldn't know because that's we. I have to spend all my time in marketing. It's like Kit going on turbo mode. <laughs> and then you just like the fins come out, and then then you're invincible <laughs> temporarily until your heart explodes. <laughs> Um, but we don't, we don't, you know, um, we, we actually are very serious about, uh, the, the, the various interests that, that each of the guys have. We, we are, we're interested in putting those out there just as a, as a, as a function of like, that's who we are individually. And mm-hmm. it kind of gets that stuff out of our system and it doesn't, um, we don't find ourselves trying to inject it into like, what is Lincoln park? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I'm not the stuff that I do with my art show or stuff that I put on Mike 
Like I can kind of just get that out of my system and then I'm not like trying to make these themes that show up in my paintings. I'm not trying to like make them work in a Linkin Park right. song, which kind of wouldn't work. Right. You know? Um, so it's, a, it's, I feel like it's a healthy balance and, and yeah, you're right. Like, uh, you know, a lot, there's room for it on the internet, you know, and it's, it's beneficial to just have that stuff out there and, you know, people kind of get a sense of who you are and, um, you know, then, then hopefully you get a lot of really weird people from all over the world stalking you and that's, <laughs> in yeah. different ways. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. <laughs> it's a really great thing to have. I mean, do you, do you, th- do you think that it is essential though? Do you think that it's essential to put out as many different, um, types of, of, of things as possible? Or do you think it's essential to have a marketing background, like to be no, able to, to understand any of the marketing I, stuff? I don't feel like it's essential. I feel like it's essential to have it under control, but I don't, uh, meaning I, I, feel, I feel like it's essential for it to be done mm-hmm. well, but I don't feel like the artist needs to do it. Um, and I also don't feel like it's, it's, um, essential for every artist to do it the same way. Obviously like there's, there's, um, there are a lot of bands that benefit from mi- the mystery created by, um, not being available online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, whereas I think, um, like using maybe Trent Reznor or Jack White as an example, like if those guys were as available as Ashton Kutcher, you would be really, really bummed that they would be a different guy. Now is Trent, know? is Trent in a breakup with Twitter right now? Cause like in the beginning he was Mr. Twitter. I have no idea. I don't follow. I mean, I, I guess those are bad examples because I'm not that like he, he was Mr. Twitter for a while, Trent, and then it got to a point where he was overwhelmed by the immediacy of like it was it was not enough of a wall between himself and, and that's and that's people. That's why I didn't get on right away. And he literally was just like, I fucking quit and wrote a thing <laughs> and said, Fuck you in the face, guys, I'm done with this. I don't need this bullshit. I am I'm able sometimes to learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a great scenario for me where I don't have to like go through it myself. So when I see other people do that thing and they go, "Oh shit!" Like I really don't have pr- enough privacy for to keep myself like <laughs> right. sane. And I can look at that and go, "Ah, then I'm not going to do that." Yeah. So I was actually really really late joining Twitter, um, and. It was mostly because I didn't want, I don't feel comfortable like having people like right there, right. you know, on my, like just knowing every little move because it's, it's, it's not how I kind of do things. Mm-hmm. But that's why the blog uh, actually works really well for me. Cause I, I like your blog and, you. and I feel like it's, I, I feel like. Not I, many people do. So that's really, that's No, really... I really do because I feel like mine is similar <laughs> in the sense that, you know, it's, it's not. You're not you're not putting up Mike Shinoda news every five minutes. Oh, right, you know, you're right, saying right, like right, right. here's a cool thing that I saw, like you know, this this sort of Tumblr approach to mm. to blogs that I that I feel like is kind of mine too. I throw a bunch of stuff on there occasionally, like, oh here's the thing I'm doing. Yeah. But it's really you really I think it's the perfect way that the that the internet should be used, which is you're genuinely sharing information, you're giving back to the internet as much as you're taking. Right. And which, I and I do like uh, I I put stuff up there all the time that is kind of like the OK Go thing, for example, mm-hmm. I've never met those guys. Mm-hmm. I don't even have their, I only have their newer record. I don't have anything else yeah. by them. Or I, I know nothing about the band except that I read, um, is the guy's name Damien? I read the guy's, the singer's piece in the, oh, New, the York New York Times. Oh, the New York Times. And I was like, that's awesome. He so amazing. It. He nailed it. And we have our own drama, have had our own drama, which I can't really get into partially because I can't and partially because I don't fully understand it. With our <laughs> label and YouTube, uh, we had our own issues um, where they pulled, we had like, oh, I know this about ours, just to give you an idea of why I was, what kind of how that's, I ended up where I ended up with those guys. I, um, we had like the number one between number one and number five music site on music channel on YouTube, mm-hmm. bigger than bigger than everything, right? And it was m- mostly based on the fact that our videos were there and they were getting a shitload of traffic. Warner Brothers couldn't come to a deal with YouTube and they pulled all of them. Oh, so did we you lose lost all your subscribers. We lost everything. Oh, they they essentially oh, erased my erased, erased our channel and then we had to like reboot it basically. So it's just that it's that it's that short-term bullshit bottom line thinking and I I guess I guess if all I know how to do is look at spreadsheets then maybe I 
can understand what they're it's like the New York Times like the piece that you wrote in the New York Times but but they don't understand that that long term it's so much more beneficial to you to be able to corral your fans and followers and I mean like that will keep them being fans for life for the next several albums rather than hey sorry okay sorry Big company, you're not making a few thousand bucks on stupid ads that you've laid on those things. Yeah, we've got. You're five, costing us millions. We've in got future five income. million uh, views on one video, and you just erased it. All of it. You can't get it back. So you know now they've got like a few hundred thousand views on videos, and and our and people go to them and go, oh, this man, like you know, uh, we're 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 going to meetings with other uh, organizations saying like, okay, you know, you should help sponsor our tour. To give your listeners an idea, if so, if if Girl Scout Cookies sponsors our tour, that makes the ticket prices lower for fans. So that's a good thing, right? If if Girl Scout Cookies shows up at the meeting and they go, well, we looked you guys up online, and you really like you've got three hundred thousand views on your. No, but you don't understand. We had five million. We've sold fifty million records. I promise you, we don't have two hundred and fifty thousand fans watching a video. (laughs) Warner Brothers erased it, and they're just like, but we don't know how. You know, can you give us more specific numbers? And it, it is such a, you know, because everything is so um, ad-driven now, it's such a metric-obsessed world where, I mean, and, you know, of course, I, I I get excited when I feel like, oh, more people are listening to the podcast, more people are watching the show. But, you know, I think we get so obsessed with the numbers. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Twitter. It's fun to have a lot of Twitter followers. That's a like, great example. But, but the truth of the matter is, you know, would you rather have – a million Twitter followers that are sort of committed to you, or would you rather have ten thousand who are diehard fans? You would rather have the ten thousand diehard fans, yeah. you know. And I definitely already feel like I'm. I'm. I only have. I think I'm only following like fifteen or twenty people, and I'm already at that point where I'm like, it's. They've, there's too much shit on my Twitter feed. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, it's that's it comes back around to that. The, the reason I was like hesitant in the first place. Like, I don't want to be that locked into it you know and, and involved in it i want i need a little bit of distance i need a little bit of privacy well i mean i, I think you know when when the 90s rolled around and the 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 internet dot com all that the shit when we first started getting a sense of it people were like it's the information age yeah. and now i feel like we're in a sub age of the managing that information yeah, age it's a filter age it really is it is it's a much better way a much 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 better way to put it i don't think that's i think that came from somebody else but yeah, I don't know where. Let's just say you just, said yeah, it. I definitely coined that. Mike, let's call it Mike Shinoda's Filter Age. <laughs> it wasn't the band Filter that came up with it. No, we, it filters everything. Everything that's the they use that. No, word, but like, I mean, if you think about, it, then that's the reason that you and I like. It, it's our instinct to like put the stuff we like up on our sites. I mean, and every and there are tons of people who listen to your podcast to do the same. It's about like sharing with your friends the stuff that you know doesn't suck because right. there's so much stuff that's annoying or it sucks or it's just like it, there's so much noise and it's it's everybody's job to say, you know, okay, of all that shit, like this is something you should check yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. We've really become a culture of aggregators. Yeah. Totally. And, and it was never... I mean, I guess to a degree it was like that when, when I was a kid where it was, oh, check out this game yeah. to maybe four other people. Yeah, right, right. But at that point, I mean, if you go back f- far enough, I forget what book it was I was reading. Maybe you can help me out with that. But it was um, talking about how in the beginning of like, if you think about music going back, what do you have, like Ed Sullivan? I mean, you've got literally like one show. Oh, where yeah. It's like, this is what everyone listens to. And everybody goes, yes, sir. And they listen to that one thing. And then all of a sudden you've got a couple shows. And then all of a sudden you've got a couple channels. Mm-hmm. And now where are we at? We're like, what do you, I mean, I was, uh, I actually just spoke to a Tim, the founder of um, Pandora. I mm-hmm. spoke to him for the first time. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Sorry, brain. That's all right. Freeze. Um, and he, maybe you should have a cookie. I know. To, I think to, it's a to little, loosen up that yeah. brain freeze. He he. Um, we were talking about how, I mean, like, he was saying how if you do it, if if they you know look at their databases and talk and 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 they could do some really great analysis for you know record labels for music musicians for whoever just to get a sense of like where where your people are at. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to talk to your fans, you want to get your fans a message, then here's where they are. Yeah. Um, but then even he was like. And that's only pretty much like we stand behind our thing, our the music genome thing. But when you leave Pandora, that's the Wild West, and I can't vouch for any of it. it could be completely different right. from Pandora, but 
I know within Pandora that's what it is. There's you know there's a million of those universes out there, and and we're just trying to sift through it all and find the good stuff and contact get in contact with the people that have similar interests to us. Well, and you guys in Lincoln Lincoln Park has a has its own social network, mm-hmm. um, which is super awesome. I actually am working with the. The girls who, I mean, I don't, girls, they're eight years old. <laughs> they sold me these cookies. Uh, with the ladies who, uh, who uh, helped put together your social network, I'm working on, I'm working on one as well. And I feel like it's really important, you know, because so like third, like social networks like Facebook or whatever, oh. it just feels like that's everyone. Right. And, you know, it's, it's just like trying to pull people away and form your own little bubble yeah. where you can really connect with people that are like that are genuinely like-minded like really specifically to the yeah. molecule like-minded yeah. and are you finding that that's working with uh, with your social network well our our network is um the the heart of our network is mostly based um in the fans that are like you know we're off we're what you would call off cycle right mm-hmm. now we're in between records we don't have singles on the radio per se and um so the fans that tend to be on the network are ones that are like really following just because they're fans, like they're they're in their own words, they're like, whatever you guys do, we're gonna be fans. I got a Lincoln Park tattoo on my back, and that's that. Right. You know. Um, so that person, you know, we we try and keep them. We 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 obviously there's some kind of connection going there. We must be interested in the same things, or they wouldn't be visiting my blog and wouldn't be doing these, you know, um, participating in the contests on LinkinPark.com, whatever. But once we get into cycle. Then you get, you know, um, you reach, start reaching out to the, the more casual listener. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's, that's just where it gets tricky. Like, like Ashton Kutcher on, on Twitter, like he's got a shitload of casual followers. Right. You know, and they don't necessarily love him, but he was one of the ones that was recommended when they first joined. And they, he was on the top of the list and they joined and he was slightly entertaining. Right. In their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but does that but does that mean that they're you know if he were to do a live show or those people because re- it it is I would say no it is such a big difference to I would I would love I I, I value the more dedicated fans over the casual ones um, because obvi- obviously because they are what they are like they're they're actually following however it's, it doesn't mean that I think uh, the casual ones are in are, are not sorry not in value not valuable I think they are valuable I think I'm not making any sense. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You're you're ultimately, I think you're ultimately saying that you got to prioritize and, 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 and the hardcore fans are going to be the ones that are going to support you through lean times through, you know, like through, through all of it. It's like that, um, the, uh, the, the, the story, the, the article about finding a thousand true fans. Yeah. Did you you ever read that? If you you know, like any artist can, you know, if you can pull together a thousand true fans, you can make a decent living and really connect. But ultimately if you can pull together a thousand fans, then, You'll probably pull together two thousand, and then at a certain point, it'll tip. You yeah, know exactly. Um, you guys have been around long enough that you have, you've probably seen everything make the shift uh, as far as internet digital culture. Oh, okay. And okay. I mean, you know. Well, when we yeah, to give you an idea, like when we started out, when we started out, our demo, we had a street team that mm-hmm. we were in touch with via snail mail and yep. and and. Email. Email was just starting to be um, like uh, 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 taken on by by the masses of, of at least in our like l- late teens, early twenties mm-hmm. uh, demo. Um, and we were, I mean, you know, the, we were basically that was at every show we'd have our little mailing list, and mm-hmm. they'd fill in one or the other or both, and we'd contact them when our record when when our record was coming out. Hybrid Theory was our first album, came out around 2000, uh, 2001. And um, we literally mailed our street team cassette demos. Nice cassette singles. Cassette singles. Like, it was one step closer on the A side and a song called and, and with you on the B side. And we they got those and a lot of them you know gave those out to friends and asked for more and they got stickers and, and those things. Um, and yeah, the whole thing has been you know it's just that's just to say that's where we started it. But I mean, even at that point. Um, just as a side note, I tell people this all the time that we we always felt like um, 
we love we we were really energized by the internet. We were excited about it and felt like that it it played a role in who we were as a band. Mm-hmm. So we actually chose the name Lincoln Park because we could get the donate domain name. Like we that's we, awesome. we renamed the band. We had to rename the band for legal reasons. We were called Zero, and then we were called Hybrid Theory. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't use those names, so we had to choose a different one. And we wanted to use Lincoln Park uh, for various reasons, but the presidential spelling .com was taken. Mm-hmm. So we changed the spelling of the band, the name of the band, so we could get the .com. And we did, and it panned out. It actually worked. It was really great for us because it, people could find us directly. They just type it in .com, and there we were. And they could get on board, join the network, you know, see what we were up to, and 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 because of, actually because of the name Lincoln Park, they all thought we were a local band. Mm-hmm. So there was that connection too, like, oh, we're from Chicago, they're from Chicago, right? Actually, we're from LA, but they didn't know that. <laughs> um, and now it's too late; they're hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we we you know it's evolved. Um, because we got just because we loved it and we were excited about it and we got kind of an early start on it. Um, we. We followed it, um, you know, in our own way. We found ways to make the internet work for us, and um, we've uh, at this point we're still. I think we're still learning. I, right now, it's a bad time for me to be talking about us, the, the band being like, I don't know. I, I guess you could say savvy uh, when it comes to the internet, because if you go to our site right now, I actually really don't like the design of the site. <laughs> it's an interim site, but we have a video game coming out on I, iPhone, uh, iPod Touch, and iPad. And so the game is kind of, the, the the site is kind of uh, skinned to look like the game. So it did you help develop the game? Yeah, I designed some of the characters. I that is so fantastic, and just I mean that that must be gratifying. I mean, like you know, I know we complain a lot, like oh, there's so many different media outlets, and yeah. it's so hard to pull everything together to yeah. just fire a concentrated stream at people. But at the same time, it allows you to make a lot of different types of content, which I'm sure is thoroughly uh, creatively satisfying. It, absolutely. That's well put. Um, right. So what's, what's, is, the, is the game out yet? It's coming out in the next... Uh, it, it's tough with Apple if, if you don't... You don't know. Yeah, 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 you yeah. don't know. You, what, basically, you submit your game and then they, they put it in the, into the system and then it pops out from you know, a few weeks to... Yeah, Apple, doesn't, Apple really doesn't give a crap about anyone. Because like you would think, hey, Linkin Park, you know, kind of a big band. Maybe you could run that down the pipeline faster. But I always say, like, Apple is like the hot cheerleader who won't fuck you, but you'll carry your books anyway, you know? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, everything I own is Apple, and they've never given me anything. And, you know, like, and you have this, this thing with well, the app. I have to say, I mean, we have a good relationship with Apple. Um, they have given me things. They, they have? have? They have. I got, oh, um, I, I got a bunch of software from them. That's I didn't. Awesome. They don't give hardware, though. They no. don't give you hardware, but they'll give you software um, if you're in Lincoln Park. That's fantastic. So, can I? Do you need a melodica player? Because I can fucking play a sick melodica. I don't even know what is that. A melodica is like a. It's like it, a theremin. No, no, no. It operates like it operates like a, a similar principle of an accordion. You but you blow into it. So it's a keyboard that you blow into, and it kind of sounds like. Oh, a, you remember the band The Hooters? Is. I know what that is. Remember yeah. the band The Hooters? That's, yeah, I know what that, that is. That's yes. a, that's a slang. Got it. Um, I'm just saying, you know, if you're ever in Philadelphia and, then, and you go to that, you, if you go to that Hard Rock it's Cafe, funny that, there's it's the funny Hooters. that you wouldn't want to join Lincoln Park just to join Lincoln Park, but you would want to join Lincoln Park to get free Apple shit. I would want to. Well, there's, it's twofold. I want to join Lincoln Park to bring you the melodica flair that I feel like you guys so desperately need, we and do. we do. And then at the same time, the side benefit is that I get Apple you know, it's stuff. Funny. I feel like if you heard the new music. You would actually go, oh, Melodica would probably fit. <laughs> really? I, I actually, this is, it's funny, you know, we mentioned that I'm doing the uh, brand, the marketing thing meetings later today. That's, that's basically, um, we, we are in a position right now with the band where we need to be talking about, like, how do we communicate to our fans at this point in our career where we basically put out an album. Uh, last time we put out was Minutes to Midnight, 2007. We've been we haven't put out an album really of new music since then, and our music is the new music is very different. Mm-hmm. It's not like Hybrid Theory and Meteora. It's not like Minutes to Midnight. Um, Rick Rubin and I are producing. The band has been really prolific. Uh, we've written some just great. I mean, it's just really different stuff. Really stuff I really like, and we are looking. It's it's we're looking at this point in our career where, you know. Um, it's going to, speaking of Pandora, when mm-hmm. I was talking to Tim, it, 
it's not going to necessarily fit well on the old Linkin Park channel. Oh, so the algorithm is going to have to change that's a little what, bit. Well, that's what I was asking him. I don't, we don't want to fake it at all. I mean, right. I, I, I told him when I first talked to him, I said, we're not going to, I'm not talking to you because I want to cheat the system. Right. I'm talking to you because I think that the, the music sounds different enough. I don't know. It just sounds different. And I don't know what it sounds like. In fact, I don't know what other bands it even sounds like. So you guys are masters of the genres and the music genome thing. Like you tell me what I have to look at or what I have to do to like figure out how this fits into today's world. Like, does it just sit on its own or should I actually, should we make efforts to like go into certain channels and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Does this sound crazy? Does this relate to the bands that you listen to? Go to the old Linkin Park fans and say, what do you think of this? Do you guys hate us now? Beta testing. You know? Yeah. But it's it's you have to go outside of what you normally would do as a band. Normally you just go out and play shows and be like, cool, here's the new music. But right. we're we have there are other opportunities. Like I, we can do it online and we can beta test to a certain degree and find out, you know, what do people think of this? And and are we finding new fans elsewhere, like outside of the normal circle? Like if you want to come if you like hybrid theory, come to the show. We still play hybrid theory music. Right. If you don't like the new stuff, then just come to the show and we'll play a hybrid theory. Stuff. And, and that must be that must be that's probably an interesting challenge, especially uh, as as a musician, where you know I'm sure there's an expectation of some fans just want to hear the same sound because there's like there's a thing they focus in on. But then you know you have you know you obviously want to keep evolving, and like that's the only way you can survive. You can't you can't make you know you can't just keep making the same sound. So is right. it is it kind of scary when you? You know, each time you do another album, you feel like, yeah, it's a little bit different in these ways, or like this case where you feel like it's totally different. Is is it is it? Do you get anxious about it? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, right now, I'm kind of I've kind of already gotten through that point, but there was a point when I was pretty much scared to death about like the fact that it sounded so different. Mm -hmm. But as long as for me, I feel like if it's good, if I know it's good, and I know I really really like it, and I wouldn't change anything about it which is usually where you want to end up at the end of a record when mm -hmm. it's like you've, you've ironed out all the kinks and it's like, it's, it's right. Right. Um, then you can at least stand behind it and say, okay, I wouldn't change anything. And if anybody else doesn't like it, then, you know, we're, it's not like, hopefully it's not our last record, knock on wood. Like right. we, you know, we're going to keep making records and it may keep changing and you may like this one and not like the next. You may love this one or you may hate this one and you love the next one. I mean, who knows? Um, Regardless, our, our, the perfect world for us is where, you know, a lot of the old fans go, that's really different, but it's still Linkin Park and I love it. And then people, other people who, you know, hear this stuff go, that does sound new and different. And I like that about it. And I like what it is. That's right. I remember um, <clears throat> one of my favorite kind of band evolution tracks is uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. I mean, they just, you know, like, for for me, they just went from this cute kind of indie sort of band to, you know, Billy Corrigan's, like, weird gothic Uncle Fester phase of druid capes and shaved heads. And so after, I think it was the album After Melancholy, which was, you know, like a really heavy album. And I think the album after that didn't do as well. And, and, and I heard him on Stern, you could just hear the bitterness in his voice where it was just like, yeah, the fans did not support us on this album, which I don't think you should say out loud. Fine to think that, but you know, may have been the case. Yeah, I'm sure. That, I'm yeah. sure. You know, I'm sure in his mind, he was like, "Fuck you guys." You know, we I tried to do something totally. I just different. read something in Rolling Stone. He had a piece. They had a piece on him, and he he had a little bit of that still. Like he had a little bit of his like the comment. What and I'm butchering the words, but it was something to the effect of like. Um, I haven't gotten my just desserts. Like I'm, you know <laughs> wow. what I mean? Like I, we made, and and he's not wrong. It's almost like a Kanye West kind of thing to say. Like I made music that influenced not just fans and the direction of alternative music, but I influenced other musicians mm -hmm. who then copied it and did other things that were like it and got and sold more records, etc. Yeah. Um, and and there's a bitterness in that. Like I've met a lot of bands and a lot of artists who. Have been in those shoes, and and it's it's a hard thing to for any of us to like deal with. You know? I agree, Mike, because I influence a lot of white sarcastic television hosts <laughs> with my work on MTV's Singled Out, and I have not gotten my just desserts. 
for influencing a generation of, snar- of snarky white guys. You know what's funny to me is, it, is when Web Soup started, people were like, you're just ripping up Joel McHale. And I'm like, look, I love Joel. I've been hosting shows a decade longer. Like, I have been a snarky white guy on television as long as a lot of a lot of today's powerful consumers have been alive. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, but still, like, you shouldn't... I just feel like you shouldn't say that stuff out loud. Yeah. I was kidding about the influencing the snarky white guy host, by the way. I don't want to get emails from people like... <laughs> Hey, fuck you, man. Yeah, this is this coming from the same guy who just who sent me an email and like before you sign your name, you always write something fucking insane. And the last one was instead of like best or thanks, it was boobs. Oh, yeah, I don't, I'm sure you don't even yeah. know what you're writing. Do you write the same one all day? No, or is it just I don't random? know. Whatever. Just, whatever, whatever. I just never know what to say at the end of it. Like I never know. I never know what the the good exit word is. Apparently, sometimes the good exit word is excelsior. Excelsior. That was, that was my favorite. I, I think that's my favorite one. Sometimes it'll be tits, wieners. I don't know. I just any any whatever word is at the forefront really of my hope, head. I really hope the people listening to your podcast don't start ripping that off. It's really sad. That's another thing. You know, you're the you you would have been the father of this. This thing and then all of a sudden everybody's doing it I'm starting getting emails from everybody else boobs excelsior and then it's like I know where that came from I would love dude. to see that meme uh, develop well hopefully um, the Girl Scouts of America will start signing off their emails with boobs <laughs> thanks for buying these thanks for buying these thin mints boobs to be uh, so awkward boobs parentheses someday <laughs> someday buds <laughs> uh why did I get an email that's signed pencil erasers? Oh, it's from the Girl Scouts of America. Oh, why am I being led away in handcuffs? <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you... Uh, we're running out of time, right? We're we? running out of time a little bit, but I I mean, I, I still... I'm, I'm basically late for an Attack of the Show table read, but I want to be late for it because... Um, I was really worried. We've never really talked. Right. I mean, we've emailed back and forth. Yeah. Um, I didn't have Jonah Ray here or Matt here. And, you know, usually it's helpful to have a couple of people just to keep the conversation going. Um, but I really love talking to you so much about this stuff. And I feel like we could nerd out about um, about about this for hours. But, I, but there's a couple more things that I want to before, – before we let go. But what's your um, – like, do you, do you have sort of a productivity regime that you follow? Do you, do you have a like a, a, a is there a to do list or is there a, a calendar? Like, what's your how do you keep everything you know with all of your different um, the things you got going on? How do you, do you keep it all in check? Do you check? know um, Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss? I know Tim very well, you know actually. Yeah, it's yeah. Such, the whole I mean, tech world is such a do you know small, Do you know Tim? Small world. Yeah, he's a great guy. I really like Tim. Tim's great, and his book is um, it was a really uh, it was inspiring to me. Um, I felt like if you look at the kind of trajectory of Lincoln Park, you can tell that we were kind of like biting off more than we can chew in a lot of cases. Like back in, you know, say five years ago, um, we had a marketing label and we are a company. We had a record label and we were doing projects with other bands and remixes and live stuff and all this junk, right? And the fans were funny because like just, you know, it, there's a little noise in the background of like fans on the message boards and whatever going like, um, dude, could you guys just like make albums and play <laughs> shows? Because we really want those two things more than anything else. That's the danger. You get caught up in so many other yeah, things that yeah. you forget. Like, oh wait, here's the main thing I I'm, I'm yeah, doing. But it's also like it's the main thing that um, I mean, in their opinion, and I, I, I we're lucky if this is true that we're good at. Mm-hmm. If that is truly the thing that we're best at, which I hope it is, then we should be doing it. And I, so I, I have like as far as productivity, I have tried to reel things in a little bit and make my daily schedule more about that. Um, you know, the uh, I, I basically try and do um, five days a week mm-hmm. instead of seven, and uh, I do some other things to get my head straight. Um, you know, just like s- social stuff, and I, I have like season tickets to the Lakers. Um, stuff to like get my head out of that the music yeah um because i actually find that when i come back and start working again i'm super fresh and i have thought of you know when i'm in the car going somewhere else to do something else i'm relaxed and fresh and i ideas pop into my head and then they can kind of sit and i can let them marinate and then i show up in the studio and i've had some time to think about the thing i'm gonna do and i have some perspective and i can sit down on the song and make something that 
hopefully is better. And you know, we're, we also are in a culture of freelancers, and basically what you and I do is very similar to freelancing. Mm-hmm. When you know, when because you could get up in the middle of the night and write songs, or you know, or or or, or paint or or something, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's it's finding finding ways to separate. The the idea that you know your workspace is three feet from your bed, you know, totally. ostensibly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I do have a studio at my house that I can. We make we actually do a lot of our music at my house, and um, and at the other guys' houses. And so it is. It literally is like you could walk down the hall and do some writing, and that's very tempting. It is. But do you use? Are you an iCal guy, or are you? Uh, are you? An I am on. I am on on Mac, and I do. Um, uh, I have an assistant, and we. We keep things organized uh, with iCal, and um, like he helps me keep my um, my schedule from becoming a total wreck, <laughs> um, which is you know it, it involves family stuff and stuff like that too. So um, that's that's I do I, I if not for my phone I think I would um, I my I'm, I don't have a great memory for for. You know, places to be at what time, blah blah blah, and people's. You know, I would just be if I didn't have if I didn't have my iPhone with my iCal and like and and things as an app that like I use. Do you use like a note taking program? I use Evernote. As uh, me too. Um, me too. Because it you know it syncs up on all the different p- platforms between your you know desktop, web portal, and, iPhone. And, and you know what I do? I put I have a I have a. I have a, a note that is called restaurants and hotels. I yes. Note, I have a note called wine list. Yes. I have a note called movies. And to you see. take I take pictures of food constantly. I look there like an go. asshole in restaurants, like 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 setting food, like I'm doing some You're kind gonna of be that blog guy, placement. like the, the guy who's gonna like blog what he ate. Is I don't blog. I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't force that down people's throats. But I, I take I take Evernote still shots of of food. Be like, this is a really great turkey burger that I had in Minneapolis and I want to remember this place and so I'm the guy taking if you see me in a restaurant in another city I'm probably I am about to or have taken a picture of my food if it was if it was bad do you take a picture no if it sucks obviously no I won't because I'll forget about it but if I didn't if this phone didn't organize my life I would literally just sit in my driveway and sob because I wouldn't know where (laughs) I was supposed to be like I know I'm supposed to be doing something I don't know what it is that was great um do you yeah I do the same thing can you comment at all on the um because I, I had I hooked you and Chris Anderson up from yeah. Wired. Did you guys meet up? We we spoke a, a bunch. Um, we haven't met in person yet. Uh, I love Chris's books, and he's a he's he's an inspiring guy. He's a guy with you know, um, he's just a guy with great ideas and a, and a, and, a, and what seems to me to be a great way of organizing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to get, to be able to have that or, that mental organization of big ideas and, and to be able to have that kind of perspective is, is really special. And so when, when I, I, I was reading free his, um, which I got for free, like uh-huh. it was incredible. I was like, I was on the Kindle, uh, bookstore and I was, and I saw his name and I was like, Oh, he's, you know, I, I read, um, wait, what was the long tail, long tail. Um, and he, um, and his name came up, and I saw free, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool! I should check that out." Like, I'll, I'll get around to it. But then I saw that it was actually free, and I'm like, "Okay, now that <laughs> is genius. That is just like putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?" And I can't, I couldn't respect it more. I got it, started reading it right away. And I was just, I've been really thrilled about like the ideas in there, um, even though they're not, you know, a lot of the stuff in the book is actually funny because it's just like bashing the music industry. He doesn't mean to, but it's like, right. it's basically just highlighting all the reasons the music industry has fucked itself, right. um, which I and t- I totally agree with pretty much 99% <laughs> of it. It's, but to be fair, it's pretty much every entertainment sector. It, it's not necessarily, I shouldn't say they fucked themselves because they were on a sh- ship that was doomed, right. like a doomed vessel that, you know, you can. I mean, you can you can bucket the water overboard as much as you want, but that fucker is gonna be. Here's a great example for ocean. people who don't know of how the music industry works. Uh, my friends were at um, a label in the '90s, and one year they all got these CD clock radios for Christmas. Then on their next expense statement, the label expensed them for the presents yes. that they didn't ask for. Like that's classic music label shit. You know, and what else is the other part that's really funny is that they um, have a great way of hiding 
that stuff and hiding the money that they take from artists. We haven't made the money back yet, you yeah. guys. Well, no, it's all behind a giant, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Like it's behind a giant curtain and they'll never tell you. I mean, literally they will never, they, they have never in the history of the music industry had to um, take that information public and people don't know it because nobody will say it because it's, it's information about how they make their money mm -hmm. is not public information. Right. So the, um, the fact that Right now, where they're at is that they've they started with that model and they had the um, the foothold on that industry and the, and basically you could say uh, we were just talking about this the other day you know it, it, you could say oh well I don't believe in that that's bullshit they, the labels shouldn't be able to take that much money from an artist and so that's I'm I'm taking a stand and, and it's like you know so. What do you do though? You can't do any. If you're an unsigned band you, and you don't have the things that the label can actually do well, which is promote your album worldwide and get you the kind of push that takes you to that next that superstar level, they're the only way to do that. Mm -hmm. So they, to some degree, they deserve that money. You right. know, it's not that they don't deserve it. Like they do some really important stuff to deserve that money. But it's it's it, but in it's theory. in the weird. It's in this weird cloud that you can't like right. wrap your head around, and they won't let you look at it to be able to really distinguish. And, and, and part and part of that part of that argument with the classic record label structure was how the fuck else are you going to get your your record in a store? And but now no, it's like well, you don't need to. There aren't as many stores right. anymore. I work with I work with some friends of mine are in a group called Get Busy Committee, and Get Busy Committee has. Uh, in in rough terms, sold about ten thousand records on their own. I read I know I read this blog post by the way, and that they use this great website called Kickstart. They have an awesome awesome program going. Is it Kickstarter? Kickstarter, Kickstarter. They have an awesome program, and they just added two things to their thing. So here's look, Get Busy Committee. They were on. They Ryu from Get Busy was in a group that was signed to. We we helped get them on uh, Warner, and it fell apart, and he was miserable, and Warner didn't want to do anything with them. And long story short, they all parted ways. Luckily, um, lucky for Warner and lucky for them because they're not going to sell 10 million copies. Right. So that's going to be bad for Warner, and right. they're not going to sell 10 million copies. And if Warner's taking a big chunk of the money they would make from their 10,000 records, then that would be bad for the band. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. With all that said, they're better off indie, so they went indie. Ian Rogers and I help out with the band and um, Top Spin, and um, they did a fun. They're basically doing a project, a fundraiser on Kickstarter, where if they raise three thousand dollars, then everybody who participates in it—that's the way Kickstarter works. Then if they can raise the, the the amount, then the project goes through. And here's what the project is: um, it's a it's platinum record. Platinum uh, uh, plaques, essentially, yeah. with a record that actually has music on it. And for one person who donates $1,000, well, actually, let me get to that in a second. Okay. I'm going to lead you up to it. Okay. For people who donate like 25 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever the, the lower levels are, you get a signed copy of it. You get a plaque. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there's some new stuff on there that just showed up in the last like 24 hours where um, Scoop DeVille, who's their producer, who also produced tracks for Fat Joe and Snoop Dogg and mm -hmm. some other great artists, um, if you donate, I think it's 750 bucks, you get to go in the studio with him and the group. Oh, wow, that's cool. Right, you basically get, I mean, you couldn't, you could never buy that. You can't buy that. And you're going to be able to buy it for 750 bucks. It's incredible for somebody who's, especially for somebody who's into, you know, in engineering or hip hop production. Like you could go to, go to the Get Busy, go to getbusycommittee.com right now and you can, you know, find out how to get that and, and you'll get it. Like you just buy it and it funds the project. But, but the $1,000 mark was if you donate $1,000 to the project, they will record a song about you. Holy shit. And put it on the record. That's genius. And somebody bought it like within hours. Like so this guy, I don't know what he does. I don't know who he is. I think he even has like a pseudonym, like this like this flashy nickname. And they're like, great, if this goes through, we've actually got to write a song about that dude and put it on the record. That's amazing. And, and, and also, you know, the side benefit of that is what a much better way to connect with your fans and really totally. create hardcore fans because... You're really making them a part of your community. So Kickstarter, what I what I realized, what because I, I went on to Kickstarter, and it's if you have any kind of project, they will they will create a platform to help you raise money for it, which is right. phenomenal. It's a great, so yeah, much I, better than just PayPal donate. God, if I if, can you imagine if we had? I mean, for all the people who are are in these little garage bands right now, you know, trying to play shows, trying to buy gear, mm -hmm. like 
that is an awesome way to if you can if you can put up a couple songs and say hey listen you know we made these songs and we can't afford to buy a new guitar rig our guitar like in order to play any shows in the LA area we live in LA we want to play some shows but we can't because we don't have a rig that we can play on Mm -hmm. and we need you know 500 bucks so if you like our music donate to it and then they can actually make that happen make that a reality it's amazing it's so it's incredible my buddy uh, Paula Tompkins who's a comedian um, the, the, the challenge for any performer who does live shows is it's a simple formula but a difficult formula if you can get people in seats you can go perform places mm-hmm. so as comics we always get people going you know come to Toledo come to here come to there and someone said someone sent Paul an email and said come to Toronto so Paul said great um, you get 300 people together uh, to buy tickets and I will come perform for you so this guy took it upon himself he started a Facebook group got, got the 300 people there I think it was go. even more than that Pre-sold the show and then Paul went and did it. Like it was the it was the most perfect, ingenious way that uh, to you know like yeah you set up the show and then you go do you right. know like rather than it's more it's more efficient it's more effective rather than getting the venue and then going hey I hope people show up to this right. you know like what a, well, we you know get, those people are dedicated. our band gets I mean I get on my website alone we get uh, comments every single time I post anything I get like a whole bunch of comments like when are you coming to Rio de Janeiro when are you coming <laughs> to South America blah, blah, what is South Africa and it's like well when we know that we can go play a show there and sell the tickets so, right. and I actually told them this month on one of the posts I did I do these response to comments posts and I told them look if you start a petition and you have let's say 10,000 you've got to put 10,000 names on it. Mm-hmm. And you can't cheat it, and they have to be essentially trackable. They have to be real names, real people with real addresses, whatever, and you can show that to the rock concert promoter in in South Africa. We'll come play. Like That's what you need to do, because those guys, the only reason they're not setting up a Lincoln Park show out there is because they don't think that they're not sure if the people will come. Right. And that's and that's which is ultimately all that's exact that's all you need. You just need to know that people All come. they need to know is that the people will show up. So and for if- Lincoln Park the number's ten thousand. For Chris Hardwick, you could start a Facebook group. <laughs> five hundred. I'll say five hundred will be fine. I don't know if I told him ten or fifteen or thirty. Well you guys are a full band. Like it's so it's so much it's so much fun to just you know, I, I do sometimes I I have a couple side comedy band projects and one of them is a comedy duo and you know we do video and there's you know instruments and when we're setting up it's just like fuck you know with stand up we could just walk up to a mic and tell jokes like when you guys you have a setup like you have yeah. to travel with yeah. the with oh with, it's so it's so complicated i just i walk up to a mic and i'm like yeah. dicks are weird and then i leave <laughs> it's 45 minutes of that uh <laughs> but don't get me wrong vaginas are weird too and then there's farts and air travel but um, but I mean, just the idea that you know you can connect with these people, and they're literally a part of it. They are a part of yeah. your building process. Yeah. I mean, that even as a fan, I would be completely gratified by that. Yeah, if you if you knew you set it up like you made it happen. I think the theme of this podcast so far has been go for it, which is important because I'm going to end the podcast with. Um, uh, a song I have a, a side band that's an 80s glam metal band uh, called Sniper and we wrote you know we have a, our standard battery of songs Beaver Hunt I Want Your Cans uh, you know <laughs> but it's similar to the stuff that Steel Panther does but we what we've decided to do is write the song that that um, that sort of signaled the demise of the band so the idea is that the lead singer of this band starts fucking an actress and she does a shitty 80s movie that we figured was probably about an aerobics competition. That was what we could come up with. And so this this song is the title track to go for it from this fake movie for this for this fake band. And I think just kind of wraps up the idea. I mean, wouldn't you say this has been a go for it podcast? Oh, definitely. I think if if we can set up, um, you know, you have the little picture, yeah, the podcast. Could we do one of those like inspirational? pictures with like that has the image and then the little title and then the little like inspiration yeah yes yes we can do we can do one of those inspirational posters we should do one of those if if we could get someone to take a picture of us we could do something and make a poster of ourselves i think that's good and put it on there that that would be good well mike shinoda thank you so much for taking the time to come out today do you want any of these uh, thin mints to take i do want one more um and uh you know go go to lincolnpark.com go to mike shinoda.com oh can i can i say one more yeah promote this is a real we haven't talked 
about this at all, but I know um, that you probably have some um, people listening who have some philanthropic interests. Yes. We actually, the thing that we're, we're doing right now is uh, a, a, an online album to benefit Haiti. Awesome. Um, it is on musicforrelief.org. And um, the album is called Download to Donate. And it's got songs by Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, um, let's see, Crystal Method, Linkin Park, Kenna, Lupe Fiasco. I'm forgetting a whole bunch of bands. But they're all there. They're all great. They gave the songs for free. And you can have them for free. And then if you want, you can donate. And you can embed the, the widget on your facebook whatever your blog whatever it is so please just go check that out real quick and see if you like it and if you want the album and if you want to donate that would be that's awesome musicforrelief.org yeah music the the number four f-o-r f-o-r relief that's f-o-r-r-e so there's two r's in a row people people want to put one r for some reason i don't know what that's about um yeah musicforrelief.org and um yeah thanks awesome thanks mike shinoda cool if you want to send email uh, to congratulate or complain. I shouldn't tell people they can complain. Uh, but I feel like the internet knows that. You can write to podcast at nerdist.com. Um, thanks for listening. Sorry you weren't here, Jonah or Matt. You missed a good time. And that thing you mentioned about the Dave Matthews band. Or Matt is a, like a big Dave Matthews band fanatic. So hope he'll buy that. All right, I'm stopping this now. I'm you stopping. also have to figure out a way to um, to give away the book, the second book. Oh yeah, I'll give away the second book on. Uh, I'll give away the second book when I when I drop when I drop the podcast. I'll either give it away on Twitter or as part of the as part of the post. That's what I'll do. You know what? Here's what we'll do. Um, you and I will take a picture. This is going to be amazing. You and I will take some sort of a picture. Mm-hmm. I will post it with the blog mm-hmm. uh, with the blog post about this podcast episode. And then whoever can make the best poster out of that with the caption and everything will get the book. There you go. Perfect. That's it. So well the, done. So you're that's, good, that's you're good at the internet. Hey. That tells me right I've had some practice at the internet. At the internet.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.